Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name is Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Today we hear from Stephen Mowbray, Head of Acquisitions at Swedish Public Broadcaster SVT, about what he's looking for at this year's London screenings and why the rise of streamers is getting out of control. And Louise Pedersen, Chief Executive of All Three Media International, on how the distribution business is navigating the pandemic. Buyers from all around the world would normally be passing through the UK capital this week on their way back from the annual BBC showcase and stopping in at a growing series of distributor events collectively known as the London Screenings. Among them would be Stephen Mowbray, Head of Acquisitions at Swedish Public Broadcaster SVT. But like everyone else, he's only able to attend this year's virtual version amid the ongoing pandemic. Ahead of the event, he spoke with Karolina Kaminska about what sorts of programming he's looking out for, how competition for UK content in Sweden is increasing as demand for US programming dwindles, and why the rise of the streamers is getting out of control. First off, what sort of demand is there currently for UK content in Sweden, both for finished programmes and formats for adaptation, and how has it or is it changing? I mean, the, the, the big change has been, I suppose, driven by the fact that there's much less being produced in the States. And that at the same time, there are a ton of new streamers trying to establish themselves in the Nordics. They're looking to build themselves up. And so the so supply and demand is pushing people towards the UK, which is less good for us because that used to be... Uh, not not exactly that we had it on our own, but the S4 streamers often looked to America first and Britain second. And for us, it was the other way around. So competition for UK content has increased a lot. So that, that that's the, the main thing that I've seen in the last six months. But, but what has also happened is that there are other people establishing themselves in the UK. So there's Acorn and UK TV and even Channel 5 are embracing drama much more now. So the content that's being produced, there's a, there's a lot more to choose from. So it's not all bad because that there's more content out there. And the BBC and ITV Channel 4, they seem to be producing uh, Sky, are, are producing at, at least the same level as previously. So where you've mentioned the US there, that, that leads on to another question I had. Drama from the US is, is becoming increasingly unavailable, especially with major mm -hmm. US studios holding back content for their own streaming platforms. Do you think that UK drama is becoming a replacement for US drama? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that trend had started before Corona. You could see that the output deals that people had been working under for many years were drying up. People were no longer prepared to to invest enormous sums in um, the American studios. So I think that that, that change had already started and uh, and now they haven't really produced much at all since since about March, April time last year, meaning that, that people have to go. So I, th I think it's a double whammy. You know, if, you, if, if it had started as a trend, this has pushed it forward very quickly. Our CEO has said that she thinks that Corona will speed up digitalization by two years. But so any trend that there was before is going to be even even faster now. We, we've got a bit, a, a bit like the iPlayer, we've got a very successful F4 player, SVT Play, and that was growing. But what has happened is that it, the curve is changing because people plus 60s have found that the player now, it used to be that it was a younger demographic and the older people watched traditional TV. And I think that that is changing. So we, we, we're launching big dramas in the last couple of weeks. We immediately are getting 
that the same number or if not more online than in broadcast and and we we see that as a as something that has happened really much faster than we anticipated and speaking of streaming uk broadcasters itv and the bbc are planning a yeah. global rollout of their joint venture svod service britbox how do yeah. you think this will impact demand for uk content and the availability of uk programs for international broadcasters and streamers i mean what what, what i think the business of selling a British programming is enormous. It, it is hundreds of millions of pounds. So I think it would be it would be naive to think that all of that is going to go on to BritBox as a first window. I think BritBox can actually benefit from being in a second window position because if if a big player like us establishes a new brand, a, a new series, then to make them available later as a kind of favourite destination, then I think that's good. But I think for a small player like BritBox to establish themselves with it, it really expands of first windows would be quite difficult to do in, in, in the Nordics anyway because the competition here is that already we have um, Netflix, HBO, Viaplay, Seymour. I think we've got Paramount Plus coming. We have Amazon, which I know are investing more in the Nordics. So we have Apple. So it, it's already an intense little market. So to launch yet another player is, um, I think, quite an expensive business if, you, if you're going for, for a stronger exclus- exclusivity. What is your stance on co-producing with companies in the UK? As acquisitions, we don't really co-produce. We pre-buy really almost everything. So, But but I, I wouldn't really call it a co-production in so much that we go in and we can, you know, change focus on a script or, or have an impact on who they cast. So it's more... It's more pre-buy. And in that case, I would say it's like 90% pre-buy now. And that's simply down to, to I mean, you what you would like is if you could wait to see how it actually turns out. But the competition is, is, is so intense that if we wait, then we lose it. So we have to, we react. If you're lucky, there's a script. But it wasn't, I mean, when we were at virtual NIPCOM, shows were being presented to us for delivery Q2 22. There was no cast, there was no script, and they had two offers already. So, I mean, the, the, the competition is brutal. Tool, you know it's really really intense so you can't you can't sit around uh, so there's, there's a lot more risk involved i'm sure i've been talking about risk for years but the risk has increased oh fivefold because of the competition can you talk about some uk shows or formats from the uk that you have had success with in the recent past we have so many shows uh what do we have what do we have coming up and we're going to show belgravia itv production sold by nbc uh, that's coming in a couple of weeks we probably have about four UK shows a week at any time or on air. So we we're consuming a lot. We just finished negotiating a deal with uh, with ITV for a big, uh, important package. And the thing with ITV is that they have key returning shows as well as new shows. And, and you need both the new schedule because the public, they love coming back to favourites. So to get another series of Shetland or Vera is very attractive. And at the same time, you have to renew. And so so ITV have the scale that you can do both of those things. We even bought, what what, what is interesting is we, we bought Harlots, which has been around for a while. And then I know that it, it moved from uh, ITV Encore over to BBC iPlayer and did really well. So we're, we're going to give it a go as well. Because in, in these days, when there are existing series, of rather, rather than buying a show where there are six or eight episodes, to go into something where there are 24, you, you I mean, you can really build an audience with that number of episodes. And then the, another thing that we've done recently with the UK, we, we don't 
do this too often, but but I think there are certain shows which haven't been overexposed previously. So in the beginning, the first days of Netflix, they had the fall, but it, uh, Netflix were nothing like as big as they are now. So we, we bought all seasons of the fall to, to run on our player this summer. And I think that's the kind of these, these real quality shows, which maybe haven't been overexposed, can have a, a another life. And that's coming up this summer. Yeah, we we, we bought it from Banijay, and they will they will go out in June, I think. On the player, the other thing is that the, you know there's the football EM coming up. We have just before that we have the hockey VM uh, World Championships, which is big here. So and because they run into each other, there's a period of about six weeks where prime time is sport. So what we're doing is we're we're boosting the player with content. So there's a new season, for example, of Unforgotten, and we 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 bought the new season, but we've also bought the previous three seasons we will put them on the player uh, to promote the new season so there's lots of things you can do now that when you've got a, a popular player that there's you can really build an audience by by uh, scheduling a new race or publishing a new race so that, that we're trying all, lots of things with that and and much of it from the uk so will you be checking into the virtual london screenings this year yes 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 I mean, that, that was always, I mean, going up to, to Liverpool and then flying down on the Wednesday on the train to, to London was always really fun. A very, very intense few, few days when everyone was trying to kind of grab three hours of people's time. So I, I, I think there's a lust to see what's out there and to hear about the new titles. Um, doing it digitally is more difficult, but I mean, we're getting used to it. It's been a year now, so, so we are. We, we're, we're pretty organised. So what sort of programmes will you be looking for at the London screenings and, and why? I mean, the, the old cliche is really that we're after quality. I mean, that, and which we know we'll get from the UK. Uh, last year, we had a huge success with normal people. So, what we would really like is to find content which was aimed at maybe 20 to 40 year olds. I mean, you can get a lot of classic UK drama which skews older if you buy uh, a lot of the crime shows, like, for example, Vera, which works really well for us. But I'm sure it's quite an old audience. And Vera herself is 73. So, then when you had a show like Normal People, where they, they, they were 22 we'd like more of those and there's not that many around and i'm sure everyone wants them because broadcast is older online is younger but so you need to kind of get more content that's specifically suited to online so that that, that would be nice to find and I, I loved last year i, I love i may destroy you which broke a lot of rules and, and was just fresh and good and well made and well acted so i think more more of those kind of things would be interesting to find is there anything that you're definitely not looking for a- anything fantasy or, or sci-fi they, they generally don't work up here so i I think what we're looking for primarily is crime and relationships. But I, I, I would say fantasy sci-fi is is the kind of no-nos for, for us. It hasn't been a whole lot of period drama for a long time. So I don't know if they come in waves or if it's if it's a cost thing, but it would be interesting to find. I mean, after Bridgerton's success and, and even even The Crown, I think the public love these kind of very um, expensively made British historical dramas. So we'll see how it goes with um, Belgravia, which starts in about five weeks. It, it's been almost a year now since I first spoke to you about COVID-19 and the impact it was having on SVT and I'm very sorry to have to bring the subject up again a year later as unfortunately the pandemic is still going on. Um, Mm. So how is the coronavirus affecting things at the channel at the moment? Well I mean um, you would have thought it would have had a bigger effect than it has had. I think um, 
like I was saying, it speeded up the transition to on-demand. So we were looking at new ways to, to publish. Uh, we're being, uh, it used to always be broadcast with catch-up. And now now I think that, that feels pretty old. So we are publishing with the, with the, the scheduling department and finding ways to put out a box set. Because if, if you start, if you schedule things, even online, if you do one a week, then there's a lot of frustration because the competition don't do it that way generally. So it's publishing, I suppose, is one of the biggest the biggest changes that then what we have done is because people have been at home we, we've bought some content that, that suited people for daytime so we've, we've been trying to find a little bit of something for everyone and more people are at home and we've seen uh, that that has boosted the player which has grown I think last year it grew 25% so at, at the same time as broadcast is slowly dwindling the player just grows the whole time then in terms of content some shows that we had pre-bought have been delayed quite quite a lot at least six months but it, what, what is meant is the shows that we had in stock uh, which were maybe not our favourite babies we, we've managed to, to to get them out on air meaning that once we get into kind of late spring a lot of this, the stuff that we're going to broadcast is is really fresh and new and I think that's quite good because sometimes with, with if you find older deals and things you build up a stock of not the best best content now we've managed to, to burn our way through that so I think it's, it's quite it has positive sides as well Can you name any of the productions that have been delayed? There's a big big drama uh, that we bought from ITV for BBC One it's being made for BBC One called Vigil it's one of the, I, I think there are two submarine dramas and it's a conspiracy theory drama or a conspiracy drama based on a nuclear submarine and that that should have been ready I think it was due to be ready last August and it, it hasn't hasn't been delivered yet and even Line of Duty itself uh, has has been quite delayed but what what a, another thing that we found is that you get big stars like Nicola Walker and she literally wore works back to back so she you know she would have done filming for three months and then filming three months later. and if if that's delayed then then it's like a domino so all of the other shows that she was lined up to to start are having to be delayed as well so that 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 has been a bit of a problem i would say generally things are about six months uh, late and the shows which are being delivered now had already filmed by spring last year and they have been worked on over the over the, the autumn and everything we do here in in Sweden as well has has taken a lot longer than than, than we used to and any studio we, we have you know we have a huge show that just started on Saturday uh, called Melody Festival and where where, where we pick the song that's going to represent Sweden in the in the Eurovision Song Contest big here so on Saturday we had a seventy five percent share on, on SVT one. And that was was done for the first time without an audience. Because previously, it's a big arena show with like 70,000 people in the audience. And it goes to six different cities during the tour. And this time, it's all in Stockholm with no audience. So they, and, and we, we, they were taught telling us there's 200 people in the, the crew and all of them have a kind of a badge but if they get too close to someone then it beeps yeah so that they're learning new technologies for keeping people safe that's an interesting one and i'd forgotten about eurovision actually it doesn't seem that long ago when when the news erupted that last year's edition wasn't going ahead and now we're not not too far from this year's show well I, i'm sure what they'll do is it usually goes out in mid-may and we yeah. have this big big thing that lasts until the last week in March to, to find the winner but it is it's a national kind of it's it, it's a, an obsession up here and to get a 75% share in broadcast nowadays is is pretty unusual I think this year probably will go ahead but it'll go ahead digitally I would I would imagine aside from things like Eurovision um did you have anything does SVT have plans to cover any sporting events or anything this summer well the the, the football 
uh, European Championships yeah. is something that we that we share with with uh, TV4. So every second day we have one or two big matches. The question there will be: I mean, the whole concept of football European Championships is that that it, it's hosted by the whole of Europe, and I just don't know how that's going to be because it was meant to be. You know, you'd play in Manchester, and if you won, then you you'd, your next match would be in, in Munich, and then after that it could be in Madrid. But in these days, that the whole idea of shuttling people around uh, Europe, even with without crowd, I, I guess it would be it's quite a difficult logistically. So I, I don't know how it's going to be, but it's it, it's going to have quite a, an impact. And then before that, we have the hockey, which is a big, big thing for us. And, and the, this question of how that can go ahead as well. So um, I think by the beginning of March, there will be big decisions taken whether these two events go ahead. So if these events don't go ahead and if you know the, the domino effect that you were talking yeah. about before continues and you find yourself in a situation where there's still delays and schedule gaps that are going to be happening over over the, the next few months, how do you plan to, to work around that to fill those gaps? I mean, I think we would cope just now, but uh, it depends how long it continues. I think um, we still have quite a lot of content either in stock or coming in. Uh, so we're, we're, we're okay. But I mean, if it continues again for another six months, then we would have problems. But but like I say, I mean, you, we, we bought things like Harlots, which is not new. We bought The Fall together. But just those two shows are what? 52 hours. So there are ways of buying content that feels fresh. I mean, the, the public won't think about their age, but uh, there, there are good library shows out there, I think, that we can get in the mix. And th- there's even classic shows here. I mean, you can buy something that's 15 years old and it has value because it's classic rather than it hasn't been seen. But I think that, that the, the the focus is, is still on new acquisition and fingers crossed that it continues to deliver. I think we, we've seen people watching shows together more than we did. There was a, there was a big trend that everyone watched singularly sitting on their iPads and I think that the trend again is a little bit more we're looking for shows that might might work for families where the younger parents can watch them with their kids instead of them watching in a pad and their parents watching something else so I, I've just bought the Goes Wrong show which is a bit of a risk because it's so incredibly British but it's slapstick and so I think the kids will like it and I think finding something that, that an 8 year old will watch with a 40 year old is quite difficult to, to find so uh, that, 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 that is something that I think Corona has increased that people are home together and maybe want to view together and looking ahead now to the, the rest of the year what are your key aims and objectives at SBT I mean really really not to be uh, eaten up by by the, the streamers who've got a lot of money and they've got a lot of global clout but I mean SBT is a very very strong brand up here and I, I think if we can convince people that, that we can create value for their brands, uh, then they can go on and, and have a second and third window. But I think if you put uh, well, what's something which frustrates me is that some of these streamers can outbid me and they literally have no viewers. And you think, oh God, you know, they're, they're, they're doubling the fees, but no one will see the content. And it's really, really good shows. And that 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 worries me that things are getting out of control, that it's all about money and not about viewers, because really the viewers should be driving everything. You know, if, if a show is seen by a lot of people, then it should make a lot of money. But if a show makes a lot of money, but no one sees it, I think then you've got an intrinsic problem in the system. So I'm, I'm hoping that, that uh, people will see the value that SVT can bring to the, to the table. Stephen Mowbray from SVT, talking with Carolina Kaminska.
With the virtual version of the 2021 London screenings underway, C21 has put together a series of panel discussions and one-on-one -on -one interviews to coincide with the event, exploring the key trends and issues front of mind for buyers and sellers right now, the place of UK programming on the global stage and some of the shows to watch out for. Louise Pedersen, Chief Executive of All3 Media International, spoke to Ed Waller about how the pandemic has impacted the company and TV distribution in general, and why, despite the events of 2020, there are plenty of reasons for the sector to be cheerful. As we focus our attention on the London screenings, there's no escaping the fact that this year things will be slightly different. Um, and like everyone else in the industry, All3 Media International has spent the past 12 months uh, under a pandemic. Tell us about uh, the impact of that, how it's affected you as a distribution company as well as a production company. Well, as a, as a, as a distribution company, uh, I, I think probably every, as all of our colleagues, whatever sector of the industry it will be in, you know, the, for the first sort of few months was really getting used to it and getting used to kind of working from home and, you know, making sure that, that we made that work and helped everyone kind of connect and even some practical things like signing contracts and things like that were, were a bit of a, you know, we had to get on with that sort of thing pretty quickly. Uh, in terms of moving everything to a, a virtual world. But I think, you know, we we, um, we came out of that pretty well. And we have seen that as production sadly kind of went on a hiatus in the UK and in a lot of other places around the world, uh, we have seen a really uh, sort of strong demand for our content, um, particularly new content, but also some of the kind of shows that have done very well first time round and that buyers want to come back and, and repeat. So, you know, shows like The Missing, uh, obviously Midsummer Murders, uh, shows like Brokenwood, you know, people perhaps thinking, well, they did a job for me first time around. Perhaps I'll buy some additional runs or extend my license. So it's genuinely been a, a very busy period. I think we came into the start of this year thinking, oh, you know, are we going to suffer a bit of a time lag from those kind of shows that had had, uh, had been delayed? Because at the end of last year, we still had some shows that had been in post. So we were able to offer some new shows in, in the autumn. Uh, but we were slightly worried about, about whether we'd have a bit of a gap at the, at the first part of this year but we've got quite a few international shows coming along so uh, Eden was shot in Australia Brokenwood as I mentioned is shot in New Zealand so there are those shows that weren't affected by the production hiatus and there are also some shows that, that went into production in September last year which we're going to be showing perhaps not the finished version of but um, a pretty good version of at, at the London screenings and that will be fully delivered kind of late spring this year I mean the one area that perhaps has been a bit more affected although we haven't had a massive impact yet has had a massive impact on our numbers are shows that require live audiences so you know uh some of those shows uh we we know from 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 itv postponing britain's got talent you know we we had the search which we which we launched last year uh i think live shows have been a lot more difficult um so you know there are a few issues with with, with those but in general uh advertising revenue seems to be sort of bouncing back in the uk and abroad uh productions got going again um and i think it's fair to say that, that we feel pretty optimistic about, about where we find ourselves now. Would you agree that the, the market for distribution has become a, much more of a seller's market because of the uh, the increased demand for um, acquisition, because of the production freeze and, and the, the shows that do get over the line, there must be a much more heightened demand for them. Is it? Is it? Would you describe it as a seller's market? Uh, certainly in certain territories. I mean, in certain territories, I think it's gone yeah, beyond buoyant and into highly competitive, particularly territories where you are seeing um, you know, some of those studio escorts 
or global SVODs focusing a bit more heavily or, or rolling out. Um, so, you know, there's some markets like Latin America that have got a lot more buoyant and there's some markets like Scandinavia that have got, you know, highly competitive. Um, so to, to an extent, although I always I always hesitate to say it's a seller's market because there's other markets that have slowed down a lot. But I think overall, we're in a, a, a good place as a seller, yes. I, I, think, I think, you know, if you have good content, if you're able to deliver it this year, certainly it's quite a competitive situation for buyers. Has the, has the, the uptick in, in demand for acquired programming and even sort of, as you mentioned, sort of shows that are two or three or four years old, has that in any way mitigated the hit that perhaps your production arms have been taken in terms of delayed deliveries and all those kinds of things? I think to a degree. I mean, uh, you know, I think everyone probably uh, in the UK production and distribution businesses took a little bit of a hit last year because of the production hiatus in the production companies and also because you know, in distribution we'd factored in certain shows that we thought were going to be delivered and they weren't delivered and while we made up quite a lot of mileage on that uh, in terms of revenue uh, we couldn't quite get you know replace all of those brand new shows that we were expecting to see but yes I think um, I think secondary revenues distribution revenues did did go away a to making up for, for lost production revenue but I think production as I said production is is, is bouncing back um, I think the, the outlook for production businesses across the all three group is is, is really strong um, and you know everybody's making shows and everybody's you know got back on with it so which is a, I think a brilliant sign for the industry overall I'm interested in the kind of deals the way that events of the last 12 months have changed the kind of deals that you're doing I mean presumably your clients are looking for more sort of flexibility then you know are they looking for sort of co-exclusive arrangements I mean tell us about how how those structures that you're doing you're the, with the deals you're doing are changing I think there there isn't a, a one of the real changes that every deal is different particularly every big deal certainly you know non-exclusivity and versus exclusivity has become a, a real issue um it's it's a lot more possible than it would have been I think uh several years ago to do a series of of non-exclusive deals in in pretty major territories there's a, a the rise of AVOD you know that that's come come along and I mean that's an, a really interesting we're projecting a big new kind of growth stream from AVOD uh so we, we're hoping that, that that's going to be a, a, a big driver of revenue in the next couple of years um that's all non-exclusive at the moment so I think we're in this interesting period where certainly as uh, those studio SVOD services launch we're doing some uh, in AVOD we're doing some non-exclusive deals that's great for a distributor what we saw before when we've seen this kind of thing happen with let's say Netflix is that you start off in a non-exclusive and then you narrow down to fewer shows exclusively perhaps with a higher fee uh, so it's going to it's a bit too early to predict whether that's going to happen but certainly at the moment a lot of the negotiation around the deals is 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 windows exclusivity and non-exclusivity one of the uh, obviously the journalist view that we have is that there's a, a shortage of drama and a big boom in sort of covid friendly formats this year is, is is that too simplistic i think well formats were affected by obviously the local production hiatuses around the world so formats had we had a little bit of a dip i think with with some of them in the middle of last year just because nobody could produce anything and i do think there is a problem with those audience-based formats so it's a slightly more nuanced kind of view i think whereas shows like goggle books which you can produce happily in a in a pandemic um uh, have have done very well so i think it, it, it it's it's hard to generalize it it depends on 
you know, the, the type of show. I mean, obviously, Race Across the World is, is, is a big show for us. That was postponed last year because you can't travel. So certain shows that um, were international, I mean, we, we, uh, it's a very successful series for us, Travel Guides, that, that plays in, that's made in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, but those have stayed within their own borders this year. So um, people have had to be a little bit creative, I think, and flexible about how they produce formats or non-scripted shows. They're not all a lot easier than drama. Drama, particularly when it's on a kind of closed set, um, you're testing two or three times a week. Uh, you've got your COVID monitor. Perhaps you can keep your your uh, cast and crew in a fairly kind of secure environment. So in some ways, because you're not dealing with contributors and people coming in and out the whole time, I think it's possibly been a little bit easier to manage once it got going. Obviously, um, you, you mentioned earlier in the conversation about the, the impact of the tremendous growth in streaming platforms. Mm. Uh, that was one of the big stories of last not not just the COVID dimension, but just the the strategic move over to streaming by a lot of the big players and the launch of all these new studio-backed services. How's that market changing? What's the impact of all those big studios moving into streaming in such a big way? I think it's a a big opportunity for for us. Um, First of all, there's doing deals with those platforms um, because I think, you know, they they have vast libraries, but they're also interested in, um, you know, a local offering. Uh, so perhaps in the UK, they'll be interested in some classic UK shows that they might not be getting from their primarily American libraries. So I think there's an opportunity uh, to sell kind of strong local content. Uh, but also, you know, as those uh, studio services kind of bring their content back onto their platform, there are other both local SVOD platforms and global SVOD platforms who, who, who need content too, because we need to sort of fill a gap there. So um, it's kind of a two-pronged opportunity for us, I think. And the, you mentioned the the local SVODs. That's been an, another story of the, of the last 12 months, the sort of proliferation of, of small yeah. or regionally focused SVODs. And what about that? What opportunities does that give? Because obviously selling a show to a global SVOD is, is one way of making money, but going through the sort of territory by territory, region by region, does it does it give much different opportunities perhaps? Yeah, it does. I mean, for us, it's always, when you're considering one of those global deals, those global SVOD buyouts, it's always, a, you know, there's a, there's a fairly sort of careful piece of modelling uh, that goes on around what that deal looks like versus what you took it, what, what, what you would make if you took it out territory by territory. Territory. And clearly, uh, the local SWOD platforms are, you know, very helpful in 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 the second part of that modelling. You know, what does it look at? It look like if you take it out territory by territory. I think their appetite for probably slightly more edgy, uh, sort of original, um, less mainstream programming is, is is helpful in terms of some of the content that, that we're representing. So, for example, It's a Sin, uh, which, you know, we were really delighted to, to have launched earlier this year, has played on a lot of local global SVOD platforms very successfully. I mean, HBO Max uh, in, in the States and Stan in Australia, to name a couple. Uh, so really, particularly at that premium end of the market, those local SVODs are, are really interesting people for us to talk to. Also, you know, we're having kind of co-commissioning, co-production conversations with those platforms as well. Uh, Eden, which we're launching at the London screenings, um, Stan is the anchor broadcaster on that, and Spectrum in the US are co-producing. So, you know, it, it, there's there's a there's a whole series of conversations to be had uh, with those platforms from the acquisition route up to the co-production and co-commissioning route. And as those studios focus much more on their streaming propositions uh, and 
their linear services in, in the States particularly, it changes the relationship they have with those. Do you see them moving further into an acquisition mode? Because the full season last year was very much about acquired programming, some of from Canada, some mm-hmm. from the UK. Is, is are, you, are you now thinking we can sell into US network primetime now? Oh, I'm not sure about sort of US linear network primetime in terms of, you know, the traditional ABC, CBS, NBC primetime. I think I mean, scripted formats, yes, potentially. Shows as they are, no. But I think what this pandemic has done is because there's such a shortage of content, it has, um, you know, buyers have been perhaps a bit more eager to cast their nets a bit wider and to consider some shows that they wouldn't otherwise have looked at. So certainly I think, um, you know, selling into pay, selling into the USS Vods. I think we. I looked at it the other day, and I think you know, we, last year we sort of had co-productions with about fourteen different partners in the US, which is quite a range of uh, clients to be dealing with, and. You know, as long as those shows work, which, uh, you know, we're pretty confident they will, if they gain an audience, then they gain some critical acclaim. I don't see why that wouldn't continue. Now, obviously, you're part owned by Discovery and Discovery's launched Discovery Plus in, yeah. in the last uh, half year. Tell us how that's going to impact your distribution strategy going forward. Uh, I think they're, 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 they're a great partner for us. You know, we Discovery Plus in particular, I think, um, you know, the team there, we, we, we talk to the team there. There a lot. Uh, I think you know they will have an app because they're rolling out to a to a, to a wide global audience. Um, certainly, I think they're again they're sort of casting the net a little bit wider in terms of the range of programs that they're looking for. So just being able to you know talk to them regularly, uh, tell them about our, our new shows is 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 fantastic, and, and you know we want to do more of it. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be suitable for Discovery Plus, and it doesn't mean that you know we're being told that we have to sell everything to them, but um, you know, if they're the right platform for the for the show, it's it's really good to have the relationship. And and they, I mean, last year at the tail end of last year, they bought you know uh, race across the world and, and and naked attraction for the for the US from us. Um, two shows that we'd struggled to sell before uh, that I, th- I think will do brilliantly for them. Uh, so you know, it's 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 great to have them them there as a, as a partner to talk to. And with the um, before we get on to the the new shows, just a, another question about the as those studios and other companies start thinking more about their direct to consumer strategies, is there is there things that you're thinking about in that area, particularly with the opportunities offered by things like smart TV? to go direct uh, to self self publish uh, not, not not at the moment i mean again i think any if we're sort of packaging our channel our um content up into channels that, that in the avod space you know with with partners like pluto uh, that that's probably the extent of it at the moment we have no plans to to publish directly now tell us a, a little bit about some of the highlights that you're going to be unveiling to to buyers at your virtual screenings during london screenings uh, i've talked a bit about eden which is our australian show which has been produced by brian elsley's balloon entertainment and every cloud in australia which is a kind of YA, glossy, very glossy, gorgeous looking drama. It's filmed in Byron Bay in Australia. And, and believe me, I mean, I've never wanted to go to the beach and the seaside more having, having seen it. Uh, but it tells the story of two young girls uh, in a small town um, and they, they disappear. And it, across eight episodes, it's the story of their disappearance and a kind of mystery uh, as you kind of look, investigate who in the town could have been responsible for it. Uh, so uh, brilliant, kind of uh, very hooky, uh, as I say, looks gorgeous, very intriguing. And, and I think will, will be a sort of genuinely compelling watch uh, for, for younger audiences around the world. 
world. We've got the, the next new show from uh, Two Brothers Pictures, Angela Black, uh, which is a very powerful ITV thriller about uh, domestic abuse starring Joanne Froggatt. Um, so we'll be showing that. Uh, we've got some fabulous returners. There's new series of Midsummer, new series of Brokenwood, a new series of Baptiste. There is, uh, in non-scripted, we're launching a show called, uh, it was the first sort of push into premium factual, uh, which we had a big focus on um, at the end of last year. And this is uh, this shows a whole new ball game, which uh, is being produced by Story Films for BBC Two. And it, it looks at the history of the Premier League. Um, it's a co-production with David Beckham's company, uh, and he, he features heavily in it. So we're excited about that. And we've already got an awful lot of interest in that worldwide. We're delighted to be distributing the latest series of Dick and Angel Strawbridge's Escape to the Chateau, which is one of my favourite shows. It's perfect sort of comfort TV watching. I love it. So uh, we'll be distributing that. And in formats, building from the success of Lingo on ITV, which has done brilliantly, we'll be launching, pushing that uh, and The Cube. Uh, and we have a couple, we'll have a few new formats, uh, including one called uh, Sort Your life out which again is one of my dream formats because they take all your clutter from your house put it in a garage so that your house is totally empty redecorate it and then say okay what do you want so the thought of having my house kind of decluttered uh, at this time when I've been spending too much time in it is quite appealing and I think people are going to love that before I let you go I just wanted to ask a question about the, the future of the London screenings you're obviously one of the companies that's behind it how do you see it changing the sort of the calendar of the industry across the year because obviously there's been a rethink about traveling to events not just because of covid but because of other factors how do you see the the first few months of the year changing for us when you look at the the you know the business coming out of the london screenings over the last couple of years it's definitely been up there as possibly you know in in the top two uh kind of events of our year so um it's really key for us It, it seems to coincide with you know because it's just after that sort of january launch period for a lot lot of new shows well that first quarter launch period timing works really well in terms of being able to show search some show some new content um i think you know the london screenings really is a it's a kind of it's really sort of an umbrella for all of us distributors who are doing our own individual showcase events to just sort of make sure that we're a bit joined up in terms of when we schedule it so that we make it easier for buyers to come um clearly it's usually sort of linked to the the back end of the week when showcases um i think that it makes sense um if people are coming to the uk to try and showcase the best of british television uh regardless of where it comes from in a week uh in one week rather than trying to get people back for more so for, for 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 us it's it's a really key event of the year um we're going to keep doing it i just hope next year we can do it in person louise pedersen from all three media international talking with ed waller that's all for this episode there'll be more about the london screenings in the podcast next week we also have a dedicated microsite focused on the event so look out for that and in the meantime stay safe and up to date with all the latest international tv industry developments by following c21 online on mobile and social media My name's Jonathan Webdale. Thanks for listening.